Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Whale Nerds podcast. This is Caitlin, and I actually have Eric with me for this episode. We're doing mini episode number four. Hey, all you cool cats and kittens. (laughs) I just had to say that. (laughs) Eric's been in isolation too long. He watched all of Tiger King. I, you know, the, the bad thing about me is, okay, I, I did it before it was cool, because, like, okay, Tiger's oh, cool, you, you know? Oh, you binge watcher. Yeah, so I literally <laughs> sat there till three in the morning and watched No, you watched them it. all back-to-back? I watched them all back-to-back, because I was like, this craziness <laughs> is cool. And what's crazy is, you know, I'm older. I, I've been, in you know, involved with animals, wildlife for a while, and then, you know, like, there's two people on the show. It's like, uh... Uh, I, I know these people, so or like know of them, so. Wait, fact, who was it? Was it Doc Antle? I don't want to talk about, it, but yeah. <laughs> but um, I, I, because I, I used to kind of hang out with people who worked at some sanctuaries, and you know, just through the grapevine, I've met people and stuff like that. And what's funny is. Yeah, and any if you really think about it, any animal field you could make a show like that. Especially yeah. us Monterey people know that. Wink, wink. You know. So yeah, I've been saying that for years, and I used to say you've heard me say it. Like I would get all flustered with how wild the personalities were, and then I'd be like, <laughs> "Are big cat people like this?" Well, here's <laughs> your answer. Yes, yes, yeah. they are. <laughs> and, and what's funny is there's actually like a little Monterey link to. Um, you know, the the Tiger King. Um yeah, he was uh did some transactions with um that Monterey uh animal sanctuary too. So Joe did or Doc Antle did? Joe did. Joe did. Yeah. I heard there was a connection to Doc too, but I didn't really read up on it. I think the Monterey Weekly wrote about it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's a, it's a, you know, wildlife in general, it's, it's, it's a small field, you know, and unfortunately, egos and everything. It's uh, a small field with big uh, personalities. Yeah, the personalities get in the way, you know, <laughs> unfortunately, for all fields, it's like that now. And I think that that's not beneficial for the animals at all. Yeah. I mean, we're seeing it right now in the whale watch, any wildlife, you know, it's happening. It's, it's yeah and I think it's been like that for a long time I mean moving to a new place and kind of getting like the lowdown of the personality types of Maui it was the same thing it's like the same story you tell people when they first come to Monterey to work you're like okay here's what happened yeah (laughs) you know a lot lot of us luckily who are are just it's all about the animals you know it's good but the, the egos and especially now we got so much free time. I mean, you look at Instagram, you look at some of these people's account. I'm not going to name any names. Like, you know, I'm, I'm into paleontology too. So I go into this one account like about paleontology. Instead of each post from this account is of a person. You don't see any fossils at all. It's like, come on, you know, what's going on here? People are so yeah. full of themselves. It's like, okay, you love fossils, but where are the damn fossils? Why am I... <laughs> yeah, you follow this to see pictures of fossils. Yeah, why am I looking... <laughs> at a person you know it's like uh, i don't get it (laughs) that's funny yeah so eric is joining me on this mini episode because i finished the three about whale song and we're going to talk about whale hitchhikers instead cool 
because we're super nerds. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's stuff that's often ignored, but it's so fascinating. I think eventually people get hooked about the fun facts we tell them about it. And, you know, that's kind of like our job. They kind of, like, I'm not going to do anything or I'll tell you something, but I'm not going to tell you all of it because I want you to look it up yourself. And that's the best way to learn. Yeah, that's exactly what I said about Whale Song. I was like, this is, like, very low-definition data and I kind of pieced it together into a story, but like I'm sharing the links to all my resources so you can go yeah. look it up later if you're super into it. Exactly. You, you know, now with the, the Google machine, you can just go on there and uh, DIY your own research and fun facts. Yeah. yeah and I said this during um, recording Minisode number three, um, but I'll say it again if you're just kind of browsing different topics. Right now, because of the pandemic, a lot of journals are free and open access. So take advantage if you want to get, you know, all the information and download papers right now is your chance because they're not behind paywalls for a lot of the journals, which is cool. And for those of you on Marmam, sometimes even if they do put those paywalls up, as I said earlier, a lot of us aren't in here for for bucks and glory. You can just simply email uh, the author of the paper and uh, they'd be happy to email it to you free of charge instead of you know starting an account on a on you know a journal or something like that so always look for that yep that's true and that's pretty true across most fields in science that a lot of times you can just email the lead author and they they're allowed to send you a copy yeah pretty cool there's some people who are just so good at collecting things you ever like you know hit up like pete Oh, yeah, Pete Garvin, paper. Like, he's like, oh, here you go. <laughs> you need it, and he'll have it. And now I think who's helping him? He's got a few people helping them. He emailed them. Um, yeah. You know, they'll, they'll have it. There's a few people I can name out there who, oh, they're like, what are you doing? You, you know, you must have the biggest hard drive in the world. You're just like, they yeah. have it. Yeah. Yeah. So there's definitely resources. If you're looking for something in particular, you can ask us, and we can direct you to the right person also if you don't know any of those people. So, yeah. Um. So Eric, it kind of got me thinking about this topic when he posted, was it on your PCH project account about gray whale barnacles? And then you said like- I think it was like still over- my my non-educational account, my, my pretty picture sure. one, my own, yeah. Yeah, and he said there's a whole bunch of different species of barnacles and you said like 30 plus and I was like, what? Yeah. there's a- look into this. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, um, it's whale ice you're referring to that has about 31 uh species genus wise i want to say we have about two major ones right am i correct um i actually looked it up uh-huh. <laughs> so in this 1987 um key like dichotomous key and guide to the whale life species there's mm-hmm. one two three four five five genus wow okay that we consider whale lice mm-hmm Okay. Yep. They're all like, uh, let's see, there was like an introductory page. They're all Siamidae, and then um, they break out further from there. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Yeah. Isosiamis, Neosiamis, Cladysiamis, and Synsiamis, in addition to. Siamis. And they say mm-hmm. in the 80s, they said there was 16 species, but mm-hmm. I'm sure it's been updated since then. Yeah. 
Uh, I don't know why that number 31 keeps on popping in my head. Am I right? Is it 31? Yeah, I also have found some articles that I couldn't get free access to that in the abstracts, they say 20 barnacle species. Um, Did you try emailing the author? (laughs) (laughs) No, I was looking it up this afternoon. (laughs) So, yeah, I think if you delved into it more and you really, really wanted to get into whale lice, um, there's definitely probably some updated information. You know why you couldn't get those papers? Why? Probably because of Carol Baskin. (sighs) Carol Baskin. This is so last month. I'll stop with those. <laughs> so um, do you want to talk about gray whale lice first? I can talk about gray whale lice. I, I think, uh, yeah. Uh, they're the most obvious. They're most obvious. I love gray whales. It seems like, I don't know why. I get, they're very crusty. And when I'm on a boat, seems like I'm the only one who flips out about gray whales. I think because I've had so much, you know. Great you have a lot of with them and yeah, a lot of up personal trips. time. Yeah, but uh, yeah, gray whales—it's the most obvious. You get a gray whale that's born; it's usually solid gray. Then, about three months of age, you'll see that white pigment starts popping up along their body. They almost look like a piece of marble. And then, while they're down growing up in Baja, you'll start seeing the hitchhikers appear in their bodies. You'll start seeing the early stages of barnacles uh growing on them and the barnacle the one type of barnacle that's on the gray whale is uh geez i can't i can't pronounce it sure can you say it the genus starts with a the genus starts with a c the species name starts with an r wait i think i have it written out somewhere is it pseudopyrus uh you know what what? i always have the gray whale bible Oh, there we go. Cryptolepus, yeah. Rachnecti, necti, sorry. Oh, I see it. Yeah. And, yeah, that's what we always, uh, barnacle-wise, that we see uh, grow only on gray whales. And I know you'll always hear naturalists say only on gray whales. Uh, If you count some odd instances, uh... Decades ago, a orca calf washed up, I want to say a California coast that had one of those barnacles on it. There's also another case of some captive animals. Was it a beluga or something weird like that? Just some random gray whale barnacle somehow ended up on another species a while back, too. So um, we we uh, pretty sure that these barnacles actually are attaching on in Baja. And it's kind of neat. In fact, you know what? Caitlin, I'll send you the pictures. Maybe we can use this for our thumbnail. But uh, yeah, that dead calf that I checked out mm-hmm. was three years ago. Yeah, it had the early stages of barnacles, and you can see them just literally abrupt through the skin. But the barnacles, everyone, when they before they attach, there they don't look like a barnacle. They they actually have these little feet. They crawl around. Yeah, on, they can walk, isn't it? Yeah, weird? they literally walk and find a a prime spot on the whale that's both has good water flow, but not too much water flow. Yeah, so if you look at a gray whale, if you ever gotten lucky enough and gotten a close look, it's usually around blowhole uh, and uh, also sometimes around the uh, ventral grooves or pleats. Gray whales only have a few of them, you know, three to four. And then, um, yeah, you'll see other ones that pick some not too popular spots. but uh, Also in the dimples a lot on their rostrum. Yeah, it's usually around the head you see a lot of those... Uh, barnacles but eventually yeah they they grow and grow and they actually um 
they uh, really get into the skin. And for those of you who don't know, yeah, they can really latch on because cetacean skin is, uh, what should we say about, is it tw- it's 20 times thicker than a human skin almost? It's, it's unbelievable. If you ever been... It also lucky- heals and grows really fast. Yeah, yeah. So if you've been lucky enough to, unfortunately, you know, get seen a, a stranding or something like that and looked at even the young gray whale skin, it literally almost looks like a tire sometimes. You know? Yeah. Thick that skin is. Yeah. And they can really latch on there. In fact, there are some researchers looking at how they attach and stuff like that. So, yeah, one species of barnacle on these gray whales. Yeah, so... I looked up whale barnacles in general uh-huh. and tried to find some more information just, like, generically about them. Oh, cool. Um, they originally evolved from turtle barnacles. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they ha- they had to, like, go through a different evolutionary path to be able to settle on the skin of whales because it's different than the carapace of a turtle. Yeah. But they have been around for like at least three and a half million years as mm-hmm. whale barnacles, which is pretty wild. Yeah. Um, and in the fossil record, you can use fossils of whale barnacles to yep. recreate the historic migration routes of whales. Did you find that paper? That was pretty recent. Um, I found this one is older. It's from 2006 from uh, New Zealand Journal of Geology and Geophysics. But there were, I think, some other newer papers. There might be some later ones that are probably about a year or two or two old. I'm pretty sure since it's semi-paleo related, I probably kept it. But yeah, that's fairly new that we've been detecting migration routes through fossil records. Yeah, and this one, this paper was cool because it had, like, a map graphic showing all the routes that they were looking at, which um, most of them are still the same humpback routes in use today. Yeah, Yeah, it's pretty neat. (laughs) Um, And then they also had a table that showed, like, how many specimens they had. So, like, in Ecuador, they had, like, 70 barnacle shells that they found, but some places they found one shell. Huh. Like, holy moly like how how lucky are you that you found one barnacle shell in your yeah. area that you were studying <laughs> that's interesting and some of them even were found by darwin there's one from england mm-hmm. and it says darwin 1854 that's crazy isn't that wild that brings up another thing since I'm so in love with gray whales. I wonder when they were in the Atlantic, was it still that way? Or if they didn't have those barnacles, the, they might've been. Another, we could do the, you know, the Atlantic gray whales, another mini sewed topic. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. Be fascinating, but kind of short. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Maybe, you know, paleontologists figured out a lot of stuff about them. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so then also their all whale barnacles are considered acorn barnacles. Uh-huh. Um, there are 14 accepted species of whale barnacles. Six still exist today, and the rest are extinct. Mm-hmm. And I used to think, and maybe I misinterpreted how I was taught at school, or maybe we didn't understand at the time. I used to think that each species of whale had its own lice and barnacles but actually some of the species of barnacles can be found across multiple species some, yeah just like the whale yeah. lice yeah some yeah. the lice yeah there's a few instances where they cross over as well but a lot of them are like unique to that animal yeah 
Um, and then the life cycle of a barnacle is about a year. So um, the way I was taught in school is that they also reproduce the same time that the whales are in the breeding grounds because mm -hmm. that's their highest rate of settlement, which is pretty cool. Yeah. You know, time your barnacle life with your whale life. <laughs> and um, for people that like have no idea what we're talking about, if you were to describe the relationship between a lice or a well, between a barnacle and a whale, it's commensalism. So the barnacle gets all the benefit, but it doesn't help or harm the whale. And then lice, it's mutual because the lice get a benefit and the whale gets a benefit. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because that uh, it brings up a common question we get on the boat, especially with gray whales and even with humpbacks sometimes, especially when they start lunging, is people see the barnacles and whale lice on these animals and they... They always assume, you know, something like that looks parasitic, you know, so it's taking advantage of the whale and it's harmful. So they always ask, you know, is that harmful to the whales? You know, um, there are times that, especially with humpbacks, it seems like the barnacles can be beneficial mm -hmm. sometimes with the males. I always tell people how it's almost like a body armor, especially uh, male whales. Uh, humpbacks, when they get into that competitive behavior, mm -hmm. they seem to swing those barnacle um covered appendages at each other and stuff like that and so mm -hmm. that's why you'll see so many males during competitive behavior all scratched up i got a few shots of that you know from our late fall season here and i'm sure you and maui definitely saw that you know so those mm -hmm. those hard-shelled items literally become brass knuckles or body armor for <laughs> these animals totally <clears throat> and um I don't know. I mean, I don't I don't see it explored very heavily, but like gray whales are bottom feeders, so they're like scraping on the seafloor a lot. Yeah. And like they do shed off the barnacles on that side of their face, and I don't know if that if the barnacles just like that access to nutrients and that's why they settle there or if like the whale also is getting a benefit of like protection for its skin or what. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to say with gray whales. I haven't heard anything about that. I know with the humpbacks, we always come up with a theory that, uh, you know, it could actually be kind of beneficial for them to have the hard barnacles as protection and almost like a weapon. But gray whales, yeah, haven't heard anything about that yet. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just an idea. But, yeah, and then there's they definitely, skin... they definitely will rub them off on that side of the face when they're feeding. Yeah. I haven't heard much about gray whales rubbing. I do know. You know, we obviously we know about orcas on uh, on rub beaches, but they usually don't have any barnacles on them. I know bow bowheads uh, up north have actually uh, over on the uh, eastern northeast part of Canada will actually go rub up on some of these large these large boulders they've found. So. Oh yeah, because you can. There's a place for bowhead whales on, like, the Russia side, too, that they do that. And, like, people snorkel with them. Oh, geez. Yeah. yeah, Jim Scarf was telling me about that. Oh, yeah, yeah. He sent me that article for that. Yeah. He's saying that was something that I would probably do. <laughs> me, too. But that's just, like, wild snorkeling with bowhead whales in Russia. Like, what a weird yeah. combo. <laughs> but many of these cases, it's not because they're removing barnacles. It's just because, yeah, uh, these animals are always... Uh, molting and stuff like that. People don't realize that. Yeah, whales molt everyone. In fact, there's a... Who was it? Oh, yeah. Allison just brought that up. Yeah, in one of her posts about how these animals will like to molt usually in the warmer waters. You know, you mm. want much skin as possible and you're in the colder waters on you to, to help you insulate. And uh, I think I just 
mentioned earlier, yeah, whale skin, everyone, it's thick stuff. I think 20, at least 20 times thicker than humans. Is Have you heard this fact, Caitlin, that supposedly it would small cetaceans like bottlenose like it's almost like what in two hours they get like a complete molt is that true you heard mm. i forgot where i heard that mm. i wish i could verify it i heard something like that because it does grow really fast yeah and it's also like especially for odonocetes um and small cetaceans like Something about the way the water flows across it and the stru- physical structure of it, like, makes uh, them more um, hydrodynamic. It's probably literally getting flung off as they swim. <laughs> well, I don't know. It like something about how it eddies the water around their body. It like makes them even more efficient in water. It's like really crazy. Uh huh. So yeah. Um, and then there's these barnacles that people will ask about on dolphins that they'll see them hanging off their tails. And that's the mm-hmm. Xenobalanus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's those that species of barnacle in particular is pretty common across all subtropical cetaceans. Mm-hmm. Like you see them on pilot whales, beaked whales. See you'll them on, see the them on blue yeah. whales. Yeah. So, and those ones have like a little stalk coming off of them. Yeah. Like little gooseneck barnacles. Yeah. Pretty cool. Seeing those, there's uh, there was one type that was really getting some attention the last few years out here, um, it, off the California coast, especially in Southern California. We started getting a good amount of fin whales, uh, in the area with those Panella, uh, mm-hmm. copepods. Not mm-hmm. you know technically a barnacle, but yeah, they they're kind of neat looking. They they are almost a foot long or so on these animals, and uh, and uh. When it's the when they're ready to breed or they reproduce, they turn bright red. So from a distance, uh, and it looks from so a weird. Bad photo, yeah. People are like, oh no, you know, is that a cut? And then you gotta tell them, oh, that look closely, and they're like, oh, it's not. You know, it's actually a a copepod. Yeah, and I would. Those are deemed parasitic. The the panella. Oh, they are. Yeah, I think so because I don't think the whale's getting any benefit up out of it because it's burrowing into the blubber under the skin. Yeah, it's probably um, yummy blubber. Yeah, and I don't know how much it harms the whale, but I think it. I don't think it would be deemed a commensalism. I think it is a parasitic yeah. relationship, but I'd have to look into that one more. Yeah, it, there was like a little. There was like a little craze with them for a while. It's like. In fact, you can yeah. barely find any information on Penella. I mean, I know Diane had that uh, had a had a lot to do with some of the latest information on them, but hmm, should actually probably ask her. Yeah, what's the latest? Yeah, on she that? had some posters, but I was just like not into Penella that much, so I never. Really, yeah. I never really looked at them. Yeah, it's so funny. Stuff on whales. I know this is a mini episode, but I realize we probably could have done a full one. We haven't even talked about whale lice yet, so it's like... Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about whale lice. There's definitely more to you could say about barnacles, but um, the long and short of it is there's acorn barnacles and those gooseneck stock barnacles. There's two different types, mm-hmm. um, and they can be transplanted uh, across species. Yeah. And then in this whale lice guide, I found. You have a whale lice guide? Yeah. Where the hell did you get that? Huh? Where the hell did you get that? Uh, Google Scholar. 
Oh, okay. Forward it's to from me, 1987. It's the key, the Dicompus okay. key and guide. It lists all the species and how many species of lice are associated with them. Oh, send that to me, please. Yeah. So it says bowhead whales have one, gray whales have three, blue whales have one, fin whales and minke whales have one, and those blue whales, fin whales, and minke whales all have the same species of lice. And I think the bowhead one actually can go on to gray whales. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, they're the same ones listed together. Sorry, guys, I'm obsessed with gray whales. Welcome to the gray whale show. (laughs) And then uh, humpbacks have one. Mm -hmm. North Pacific right whales have three. And South Pacific right whales have three, and they're the same. Mm -hmm. And actually, there was a study done on this genetics of the barnacles to look at the divergence in geologic time of, like, Mm -hmm. how different they are. Mm Mm-hmm. And that also then matched when North and Pacific right whales stopped interacting and, like, were separated by the equator as the continents moved. Mm. And so it was, like, it was just, like, a reassurance of how, like, when those populations became subspecies, Mm -hmm. which is pretty cool. Yeah. And then in toothed whales, sperm whales actually have four really of lice they look so clean i just would never would think they're on yeah. there and then bottlenose whale have one baird's beaked whale have two mm-hmm. pilot whales have one pseudo orca false killer whales have two mm-hmm. then they have this ocean dolphin category which i'm assuming although common dolphins have their own line so mm-hmm. i don't they have one um <laughs> long snouted dolphin this is an old, I wonder, Stanella Grafmani. What is that? I don't know. I don't know Stanella since I'm stuck here in California. <laughs> I don't know what it is. It's definitely been reclassified, but it has one species of lice. Uh-huh. Common dolphins and Rizzo's dolphins have the same species of lice. Interesting. Go figure on that one. Um, bottlenose dolphin have one. Narwhals have two, and belugas have two. Hmm. Yeah. Dang, that's pretty cool. Yeah, and the narwhal and beluga ones are the same. So they both share the same species of lice. Did, I think you mentioned, did you mention Cuvier's, Baird's, or any, like, Mezzo's? Baird's. Or Baird's have two. Okay. And okay. bottomless whales. I'm just wondering if once those whales have less, because maybe during deep dives, I wonder if whale eyes can even tolerate that pressure. <laughs> you go yeah. down deep and they just like fall off, like ah, this pressure. Yeah, it could be. Crushed. But some of this also may have to do with the amount of samples of fresh carcasses that they had too. Like yeah. especially beaked whales, you don't get them fresh that often. Yeah. So. Okay, so same question as before. If people knew about whale eyes or if they can see them, because the barnacles are more obvious. Do whale eyes harm whales, Caitlin? No, they're actually beneficial for whales. Beneficial. Yeah, so um, I think the best example of how to explain that is scarback, the gray whale. Which was seen with a calf. I don't know if you heard about that. Yeah, she was. She's such a good old lady. (laughs) Oh, wait, you're back home. Yeah. You can see her, probably. 
Maybe. They're trying to keep people away from the Oregon coast right now, but yeah, I might sneak out there and go look for it. Why don't you do some research? I mean, I could. I don't think she's there yet. Because the state parks have been doing live web streams almost at least two or three times a week from Depot Bay, and they haven't said they've seen her yet. Oh, okay. Um, she swims slow. You know, she's got a baby, and she's got a big spinal injury. So, Scarback, the, the leading theory as to why she has an injury is she has that asymmetrical potential exploding harpoon wound on her back, and it has never closed in the 30-plus years of sighting history that she has. And the whale, often the wound looks pink, and it's actually because the whale lice are in there eating the dead skin. And so that's what whale lice do for whales is they clean up the skin, like as barnacles fall off or they get injuries or they rub up on each other or they spend time in cold water and just have loose skin sitting around, the lice clean it up. So both the lice having a place to live and something to eat and the whale getting a exfoliation all the time from them, I guess you could say, yeah, or a cleanup job from it. them all the time. <laughs> It benefits both of them. Yeah. Now you said cleanup job. There's even, you know, we often see uh, whale lice on uh, animals with injuries. There's uh, some thought that could even literally be cleaning up, you know, uh, dead tissue. Mm-hmm. Almost like that that gross thing that some surgeons have been doing or doctors have been doing, using literally maggots to eat away necrotic tissue in, in humans yep. and stuff like that. Yeah, totally. I mean, if you talk to anyone on um, whale disentanglement, they'll probably tell you about whale lice loads around, you know, entanglement injuries, especially after they've been disentangled. And then with Scarback, I mean, Jim Sumich has always said, I don't think she'd be alive unless she had the whale lice constantly cleaning that open wound. On yeah. Her. And then, um, oh, I wish Slater was here. He would he would remember this uh, maybe about four years ago in Southern California. Uh, we had a humpback that I think everyone will remember Scarlet. Mm-hmm. And the reason why we call her Scarlet, because she was literally just pink, almost red. Uh, her body was completely covered with whale lice. So yeah, that's uh, often, I don't know how to say this without being like, completely certain some people say it's a a sign of poor health but then again we look at scarback you know we see animals recover and stuff like that well they say so like especially with whale lice if it's covering like a significant portion of the whale's body like more than 40 percent of its total skin coverage then it would be a sign of poor health usually those animals also look really thin yeah or their skin overall is discolored um and so yeah. if it's not in one concentrated area, it's just like a solid layer of lice yeah. on the body, then usually that's a bad sign yeah. for the whale. That's how Scarlet was. I mean, she, but then she got cleaned up. And we enjoyed her for quite a while. And the next thing you know, she was gone. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what. That's an interesting story. Because you would think when they lose the lice load, you're like, oh, good, they're going to be fine. And then she was gone. Yeah. But, have you been um, lucky enough to actually uh, get a hold of whale lice? We had it when I did the parks interpretation program for Oregon. Oh, cool. Um, okay. During the gray whale migration, we had little jars of them. Um, we had, at pack whale, we had krill and barnacles. Oh, okay. We didn't have lice. Yeah. I just wish it was 
easier to obtain and I love to show it up close to people. You're some of you are probably wondering, you know, especially the whale lice, they're not attached, you know, like a barnacle. They're literally they I always describe them. Feet. Yeah, I always describe them. Yeah, they literally have these needle sharp uh um legs, feet, you know, that they, they are really like poking into uh the whale. And also the whale lice is often on the barnacles, especially with gray whales, you know, so that's obviously easier to to, to hold on to um so yeah they're on there for pretty good pretty good and if you don't if you've never gotten a close look at well i yeah just google it i always describe them as looking kind of like a aquatic tick <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah they look like an ocean bug <laughs> yeah and now that we talked about the two animals we talked about how the um the the both animals really aren't harmful most of the time Mm-hmm. But there's some people that say that the uh, whale lice can actually kind of literally eat through the skin below the barnacles and cause them to drop off and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. the whale lice sometimes could be there to kind of control <laughs> the amounts of uh, barnacles on certain whales. Yeah, and the only time barnacles really would become harmful is if the load was so heavy that it like created a lot of drag on the whale. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they usually do carry like a thousand pounds of barnacles, but when you already weigh eighty thousand pounds, like yeah. what's another thousand pounds? That's nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so the only other hitchhiker I can think of um, that is obvious is Raymora. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have like a suction cup on their head. Yeah. And they're actually when they're attached to the whale, their orientation is like upside down, right? Um, kind of, yeah. The suction cup is actually a, uh, um, it's technically should have been the animal's dorsal fin. So it, it evolved into more of a, a disc. And yeah, the animal's on for numerous reasons, people think. You know, one, it's easier, obviously, to hitch a ride. You know, you'd be on the slipstream or literally attached to an animal. Uh, depending on what they're attached to, what type of animal. It's not just whales that remoras, you know. Yeah. Free meal. Uh, scraps, you know, protection. Also, you're on a bigger animal. No one's gonna mm-hmm. mess with you. Yeah, but there's a few types of remoras that end up on our. It, it all depends on where, yeah, where yep. the animal is. There's different species, of, like the remoras that we see. The only remoras I've seen on cetaceans out here on the California coast have been on blue whales, and they're a lot smaller than the ones I've seen like on animals in the uh tropics or uh towards the the east coast i've seen huge remora there like are about like three feet and that would obviously well, I take think there's different species of them too yeah 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 and um you can see remora on like whale sharks they i've seen photos of them on common dolphins down in southern california really yeah you know, yeah oh yeah you're right that someone has seen them on on a dolphin, I've just seen—I just see him a lot on um, blue whales. I got a few yeah. shots, a few shots of those. I gotta yeah. find them. Totally. Um, the only other marine mammals that I can think of that we didn't cover besides whales and dolphins that get hitchhikers are dugongs and manatees. Oh yeah. They get algae that grow on their skin. Uh huh. And they get barnacles. Yeah, the barnacles on them are neat. They, they usually get uh, uh, attached to them when they are out and more towards the true saltwater environment. Mm-hmm. So 
for them, that will usually be during the warmer months. Uh, manatees tend to hang out in warmer waters. Uh, they like warmer waters. So during the summer, that's usually going to be towards the coastline where their food's really abundant also. They only eat certain types of vegetation and algae, so they'll eat that. And then as it cools down, they got to look for warm water. And that's usually going to be more towards freshwater or brackish environments. So they'll go into these warm springs all over Florida and the southeast. And the barnacles can't survive in that, so they fall off. So um, if you look hard enough in some of those springs, you can actually find the barnacles that have fallen off these manatees. And you'll still see a layer of skin. They're just like, a, you know, uh, um, some cetaceans out there that, you know, drop skin. So the skin's easily falling off with the barnacle. I have a picture of that, too, yeah. somewhere. Yeah, and the I remember when we went um, to swim with the manatees, the guide said it's kind of a proxy to estimate how long the manatee's been yeah. out at sea and how long it's been in the spring if it has barnacles on it. Yeah. So, yeah, if it, if it just got there, it probably still has some left. You know, if it just got into that freshwater spring area or brackish water, yeah, you'll see some on there. I don't think I've – yeah, I don't think I've seen any with them still attached. I've seen photos, but I didn't see it when we were swimming with them. So, But I did see, like, little scars. Yeah, you can see them. They got a lot of scars on them. Yep. So I think that's kind of the basics of all the hitchhikers. Yeah. Um, that was whales fun. carry their own ecosystem on their skin, which is yeah. Cool. I always describe them as a floating planet, especially gray <laughs> whales. There's so much on yes. there. Definitely gray whales. They're, I think, the heaviest loaded. Yeah. So, and then, like, right whales, um, you'll see these other calcified structures on their face yeah. those are velocities that mm-hmm. like they produced they mm-hmm. they do have barnacles and lice but they also produce their own like calcified parts of their skin yeah and that's a great spot for whale lice to actually cling on you'll you get a close look at the yeah those areas you'll see them and those areas it's funny someone explained it really really well easily to me uh, if you look at where they're uh located it's kind of like where our facial hair would be if you really mm-hmm. look at them you know <laughs> it's kind of neat if yeah. anyone ever says no they're not mammals like no really look at the little details <laughs> you get a lot of evidence and clues that yes they are mammals dummy <laughs> yes all right well i think that pretty much wraps it up for um cetacean and sirenian hitchhikers so. <laughs> Um, we'll come up with some other fun topics for everybody to stay engaged with. And if you guys have topic suggestions, let us know. Um, we'd love to hear from you guys about what you want to hear about while you're stuck in quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we did get a new Patreon follower, Jessica. So thank you for your support in that, especially thank right you. now. Yeah, thanks, Jessica. And um, you can direct message us on Instagram, Facebook. We'll post our resources on Facebook. Um, you can email us whalenerds at gmail.com and um, I also would encourage you to like rate the podcast somewhere wherever you listen to it like if you think we're doing a good job give us five stars if we're not you know leave us a comment with your rating and tell us why and it also helps us find new listeners if we're getting ratings on the different platforms because then we know where to like look for people so yeah thank you so much and stay safe and healthy out there All right. Thanks, everyone.